as the crow flies on the Vance Crow Podcast. Max Doublefield, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. So you are one of my favorite, most important people in the world, and this is the first time we've ever met, and that is because when coronavirus hit and I went to the grocery store for the last time, I saw just how little meat was available, and I was really uncomfortable taking all of it just because I could afford it. So I asked my good friend Jason Bachman, who runs Strange Donuts, what would he do if he wanted to fill up his freezer? And he said, oh, you got to call Brush Creek Farms and uh, see what's up with them. So I got online that night and ordered as much as I could possibly order. And two or three days later, you guys showed up, um, dropped a, a few boxes off at my house, and my whole family, my my wife and I, my in-laws, my sister-in-law, all had meat. So I am grateful to you, and I'm so glad you could take a little bit of time uh, to sit down and talk about local production. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. So um, you are outside of St. Louis, Missouri, and you're delivering pork, chicken, and beef. How is it that you're doing this? Because I I can't go to just any farmer and say, hey, give me some chickens. That's not how that works. Right. No. uh, So a couple years ago, I decided to make the switch where I wanted to start delivering and we had to invest in a few things. You know, I got a walk-in freezer. I bought an old keg trailer from a Anheuser-Busch distributing place, scrapped it out, made it to where I could haul meat around, and got to know our local butchers that are, you know, state-approved or USDA. And so what is the process? You you have a, a, you have a cow. Assume the audience doesn't know anything at all about this. You get a cow, and you raise it on pasture. How are you doing this? And then yeah. walk me all the way to it gets slaughtered, and you deliver it to my house. Okay, so from... You got you have cow and a bull, and we start from that part, or you sure, go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cow bull takes cow about nine months after she gets pregnant to have a calf. Wean that calf in about six months, and when that calf gets about nine hundred pounds, so let's say about about a year, I'll, I'll start feeding it grain. I'll have it on pasture up until that point, and then I like to get it to weigh about a thousand to uh, eleven hundred pounds, probably, and I keep it on pasture the whole time, but I feed it out take to the butcher shop and let him take care of it from there. And your butcher shop, this is a guy that's also selling out the front door or it's like a meat locker. What, d- describe yeah, this so- for people that have no idea how butchering works or slaughtering works. Okay. So they've got their own cow herd. You know, they, uh, they raise beef themselves. They buy pork from other producers. So they butcher it and then they can, they have people come up to their front door, fulfill orders if they need it, hamburger steaks, whatnot. Or then they have other farmers bring their product in, they'll butcher it for them. And uh, so you're bringing in a live cow to them, and then they knock it with one of those air guns in the head? Or how do, how do they do that? Yes. Yeah. Take care of it real quick. They're good. <laughs> so um, so tell me, your business, when you were starting up, you're doing the local, like, Joel Salatin. So, you know, just for full disclosure, yeah. I was a Monsanto guy that um, actually came to Monsanto really reluctantly. But once I saw, hey, this is the superpower that is hyper-efficiency. You can create supply on a level that most people can't imagine. And my brother was doing the Joel Salatin method. And I remember thinking, oh, that's cute, right? Like, that's so neat that you can do that. And, uh, you know, people that want that luxury or that little bit of fatted chicken, fine. But that's not really all that important. Fast forward to uh, 2020, and it's right. probably one of the most Im- important things in the world. But there had to have been a time where you were breaking away from the traditional system and doing this. What made you decide, like, I'm going to go break off and start doing my own local thing? Oh, man. So one of the 
couple of the reasons. One was I wanted to be able to uh, guarantee what kind of price I was going to get. You never know what the market fluctuation was going to be. And if you bought calves weighing a lot, I mean, if you bought calves at a high price and the market dropped, you're kind of screwed. You didn't have a choice over that. Another thing were the numbers. When you're running uh, a traditional system, you got to run a lot more numbers. The more cattle you run, the harder it is on your ground. Uh, the muddier it gets, the more equipment you got to have to try to keep up with it. It's more of a fight. I got a Joel Salatin book was given to me. I got to reading it, and it just made sense to me, you know, using pasture to raise your animals, then you set your own price to the market. And what I've seen through this virus is when you have local producers, that's kind of like a like a rock for the community. You know, that's something they can count on. They don't need to count on the grocery stores and the big producers as much. So a lot of people don't realize that most cattle producers, they raise their, they have a bunch of land where they can let their cows pasture on it. And then when they get to a certain size, because you want the cow to go from being 900 pounds up to 1,100 or 1,400 or whatever, they sell them into a feeder operation where then they're in pens and you feed them grain. And once you do that, then they get sold to a packing house. And that packing house buys those live cows at an auction. And you as the producer, the guy that held the land at the beginning, you're completely dependent on what do the guys at the packing houses want to sell for. When you break away and you do this system, though, now you got to find customers. So what was how like you actually were taking some risk when you went to move into this local system? What was it like building up a business from from nothing, essentially? Nothing. It was different. It was very different. Tell a lot of people about it. A lot of people, whenever I told my friends I was doing it, said, you're crazy. Some people said it was a good idea. Uh, you know, we started off going to farmer's markets and we kind of had that first experience like you were saying like everyone said that's cute that's a cute idea you know at the farmer's market they want to support local walk around with a little bag buy a couple things from me not a lot but uh once we started getting good clients that really appreciated good meats good quality meat delivered to them efficiently that's when everything really started turning around for us word of mouth has been our best seller for sure. It's been shocking to me because so I grew up in the Midwest. I'm the middle child of seven. And so I had pork chops growing up, but I had pork chops that were maybe like a quarter of an inch thick and, you know, uh, steamed down, you know, pressed down. So they were terrible. And when yeah. I received this box from you and it showed up and I was like, oh, great pork chops, lots of pork chops. And then I had one and I cooked it sous vide. So are you familiar with sous vide? No, I'm not. So sous vide is this like very cool contraption that's like a water bath. And then you put the meat inside of a plastic bag and you suck out all the air and then you put it in this water bath. So for a pork chop, I think I do like 145 for four hours. And instead of the meat, like when you put it on a grill where it spikes up to the temperature to kill the pathogens and then you want to get it off as quick as you can, this takes the meat and just has it at that constant temperature for a really long time. So all of the tougher parts of the meat can break up. And then the fat is is totally ready to be thrown on a grill or on a cast iron skillet where you then have that Millard effect where you get that nice browning crisp. So I have made bad pork chops okay with the sous vide. But then I did yours with the sous vide. And it was like I was eating a, I don't want to misdescribe it, but like a giant piece of bacon that, that was like, it was it was like the most glorious thing. And I went from being like, I never understood why people ate pork chops to being like, why don't people eat pork chops every day? 
Well, it's amazing that having uh, like pigs on pasture when they get a variety diet, sunshine, fresh air, how much of a difference that tastes with the meat. Like it changes the taste, the taste and the texture all together. It really does. Like uh, the fat that used to be on a pork chop was just gristle, right? You'd chew it up as much as you could to get the flavor out and then kind of like put it down on the side of this plate and hope nobody noticed it. But <laughs> yours is a totally different experience. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And now I look at that and I think, what an amazing uh, time to be alive because there have yeah. been this surge of people that have been able to go on and do local producing um, and getting the word out. How did you – you use a program called like Barn to Door or something like Barn that? Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with that? How did that all get set up? Now my, uh, they contacted my wife one day. I think they're – if I remember out of Seattle-based company and they help small farmers all over the U.S., with their websites and selling it because that's one thing farmers aren't really good at it's being tech savvy. So they definitely have a market there, you know, to get contact these people and help them walk them through the process of, uh, of the business. And so they help you guys do all the, like the selling and the buying and the, you know, organizing that, that kind of stuff. And then you can focus on being a farmer. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. They help with the website and the like, inventory and stuff like that. So you were telling me before we turned the camera on that you your family used to own, own an auction house and uh, yeah. and be a part of like the ma- and you still are you're selling most of your cattle to the major packing houses. What do you think is going on with coronavirus? You're probably watching the plant closures as as much as anybody. What what do you think's going on there? Man, it's hard to say. Um, I know the market's dropped quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, and. I mean, it can have two, it can go two ways. Um, if the market drops like this, what really could happen is a lot of farmers could start selling off their product because they don't have any money in it. They don't want to, you know, start selling their their uh, breeding stock because there's no money in it. And they don't want to be able to keep something that costs them money. You know what I mean? I think most people don't realize that it costs money to keep cattle. Not only do you have to, if you don't have them on pasture, you got to give them grain. But you also got to keep them vaccinated, keep them from getting sick, keep them from having any of those problems. So every day you have a cow that's not be, that's ready to be sold, that's not sold, you're losing money. Absolutely. Absolutely losing money. And people start selling off, they'll flood the market. And when they flood the market, they'll keep the price. So what I, what I think would happen if something like that did happen, in a couple of years, the price would go back up and it'll level itself off. But I don't know. And so as we were talking before, um, I was saying one of the realizations that I've had in the last few days is that we really genuinely are in a post-coronavirus world, meaning that the world that we were in, that doesn't exist. um, And we're going to be in something different. And now I'm starting to anticipate maybe not that we'll be in the total quarantine lockdown for 18 months, but that no matter what big things have changed for the next 18 months. When I look at that, I look at, Hey, I got to pivot my business. I got to change what I'm offering my customers, how much I'm doing stuff online. What does 18 months of, of coronavirus world look like for you and your family and your business? Uh, 18 months of, of coronavirus world. That's going to be a pretty crazy time. I see our internet sales going up quite a bit. Uh, I really don't know how to answer that, man. Uh, I don't think anybody does, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody does. 
when uh when so you're in a in a great position because you found a way to uh to have a butcher right i think there are a lot of guys right now in the country that are saying hey i got these cows i know there's consumer demand right now what would you recommend about them if they wanted to pivot their business in some way to be able to supplement where the market may be falling off in right um I was just once talking to their local butchers, finding out when they have days open, talk to their fam- friends and family, see if they know anybody where they're getting their meat from, you know, see if they can't fulfill orders that way. And, you know, social media has been a great help for us. Talk about what you do on the farm. People always want to hear a background story. How has been social media? In the past, it was probably a lot of like, oh, it's so cute to see your cows. And now it's probably a little more panicked. Right. Um, yeah, it used to be a lot more, it's a lot, it's really cute to see your cows, how sweet that is. You and your family are doing this together to how can I get your meat? Please supply it to me. We need it now. Yeah. It's a different ball game. And, uh, uh, you have a, you have a unique system in that, um, in the people can buy, come to your website and they can buy like, Hey, I want to get some beef or, Hey, I want to get some chicken or you actually allow a form of almost futures trading, right? Which is. You can buy a box of meat on a monthly basis. Talk about that because i that's why I loved what you guys were doing so much. Okay, yeah. We have what's called a subscription program. So you buy a subscription box. Once in a month, we will drop this box off at your house. and It's an insulated box so you don't have to be home. And it's packed full of about 20 to 30 pounds of frozen meat. And it's a variety of beef, chicken, and pork. If you're a subscriber, we will give you guys the first chance to get the meat and we'll deliver it once a month. So you're locked in every month you're going to get a box. And, and that's go ahead i mean i love that because it allows you to start saying like hey how much how much of our livestock can we put to this system it it allows actually like a futures trading without me doing it in the commodities market but actually helping do futures for my own house my own family right it's a good investment i think so how has uh how's business been man what's what's the difference between pre-corona and now post-corona um People ask a lot more about their orders when their orders are coming in. <laughs> I bet. It used to be kind of like, I think when people used to buy from us, it was more of like a fun thing to do. Like, let's try this local farmer out. Let's see what kind of steaks he has. Let's give him a shot. Now it's, can you supply my family with 20 pounds of ground beef every month kind of thing. And so, how, how do you think you're going to be able to keep up with the demand? I think so. So right now it happens so quick. We started selling out of inventory. We started doing pre-orders. We're doing everything we can to, to let everybody know what's going on. But now that we've had time to kind of step back and look at the business, I can bring in more cattle. I can fill more butcher orders. And so from here on out, we can definitely expand and keep getting more customers. You know. So how about you and your family? Like this has got to be a weird time because you're you're a business that is essential and so you're doing well, but you've also got to be a little afraid for, you know, your own health and the health of your system. What what's going on in your mind? Well, it's kind of a weird thing like, you know, we're trying to keep social distancing. That's a thing. We're staying at home quarantine except around farming, which is basically quarantine outside. That's not a big deal. Then uh we take precautions during delivery and really just taking every precaution because we just, we just can't risk it. You know what I mean? We, we do have a good business going on and I don't want to, if I'm out of work, then I don't want to, you know, short people on their food supply. 
Amen. I think that uh, if there's one thing that has come out of this, it is that there's uh, a widened attention on the food supply. But I would say probably the biggest danger that we have right now in the country is that people don't understand the food supply system, right? Like, and on the one hand, you don't want to create um, a panic because the packing houses have done a good job of continuing to run, continuing to move cattle and pork through. But then you start seeing these closures and you start like, at least I am wincing a little bit. Like, I'm like, Oh man, what happens if you take off one of the largest pork uh, uh, processors in, in the country what happens if they go offline? I I don't know. I don't know how long our cold supplies are. I don't I don't know how much we were exporting and now we can hold back for for imports, but it seems to me like we're in a precarious time. You know, I think that's going to be one of the big effects of the coronavirus. I think you're going to see a lot more of these big packing plants close and you're going to see a lot more small butcher shops open up, local farmers, things like that. Yeah, I imagine if you had uh, found a parent that just a few months ago had been like uh um, my son or daughter wants to be a butcher, they'd be losing their minds. But now, I mean, that is a, a real career. There is a super demand for butchers right now. It's a lost art that people are really learning now. Do I you mean, know how to do it? Can you slaughter a, a, a cow? I've never done a beef. I've, I used to do a lot of pigs. I used to butcher a pig every year for a barbecue ahead of my house. And I just kind of old school like that. I, my uh, uncle had a little butcher shop made at his farm. We used to process them there when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lost art. I was in the Peace Corps and I had, um, the opportunity or the honor one time to slit the throat of a goat. And, uh, and that was, uh, an unbelievable experience that I remember at the time thinking like, I'm going to walk past how horrifying this is and just deal with it. And now I'm like, Man, everybody should be somewhat closer to it, having done it at least once. If you've never killed a chicken or you've never killed a goat, you don't really know how vital and important a butcher is. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's uh, you need that connection. You need to know where your food comes from. You need to know it's a living, breathing thing. You, know, you don't need to take, uh, take that for granted. Yeah, I have some buddies, uh, uh, Joseph and Michael Ring, who are the Ring brothers, and they run a feeding operation, and they were showing me like, Sometimes they have to get cows slaughtered and they showed me the head um, being cut and having the blood come out of it. And it was like, you know, it is a really good thing to know that this is what's going on, that there's a live animal there and that, uh, you know, it it was breathing just before this. I don't know. It it definitely connects you in a way that we have been distanced because of our grocery store. No, and that's that is a big thing. And that's you hear a lot of people. They have such a disconnect to where their food comes from. It's almost unbelievable. You know what I mean? They don't understand the process of it at all. So how is Missouri, the state of Missouri, for processing and certification? Is there anything that could be removed that would make food still be safe but make it easier to get to market? Make it more efficient, make it quicker. Um, I haven't really had any problems uh, finding the butcher shop or del- having the license to deliver the meat or anything like that. It, that's, that's great to hear. Yeah. It's pretty efficient. So um, just as, as a guy that's producing livestock, you've got to be thinking pretty far ahead. What what are your next moves? How are you going to pivot your business? Um, what what are your plans here? Um, well, definitely holding more back for butcher because I do I definitely see the the demand for it, and I might sort of concentrate on selling some bread cattle, maybe something because I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to start farming themselves. And, oh, tell, uh, say more about that. 
Well, we've had a lot of people call us wanting to know where to buy uh, chickens, things like that. So I started selling, actually, I have about 100 laying hens I was going to start this spring. Instead of selling the eggs, I'm just going to start selling the chickens off of them. Oh. Because there's a lot of people that are, wanting, are interested in being able to farm themselves and take care of their own family. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of greenhouses go up for sale, too. <laughs> I, I bet. Do you also grow your own produce? I mean, are you guys uh, relatively self-sufficient? Oh, uh, yeah. My... uh. My dad, he he loves having a garden. He always has. And we've always had uh, chickens taking care of ourselves that way. Absolutely. And so how far away do you guys deliver? So right now, if somebody's listening and they live outside of St. Louis, like how far will you guys go? Well, we live in Crawford County, which is about... If you live along I-44, we'll deliver anywhere between Crawford County and St. Louis that direction. Uh, we'll deliver to Rolla, Missouri, which is the opposite direction. It's about 30 minutes out. And we have a couple customers that are asking about Jeff City, and we're starting to head down that way. And uh, as people want to find you, how, how do they find your website? How do they look in on you on Facebook? So our website's uh, brushcreekvalley.com. Facebook, I think it's I think it's the same thing, Brush Creek Valley Farms. Well, Instagram or social media. It, it was, I, I will remember the day that you guys dropped a box of food off at my house and I was watching you guys drive your truck away. I just came out a little too late and uh, I, I I felt a sense of gratitude and uh, Thanksgiving like I'd never felt before. And so thank you, man. I, I, I want your business to succeed wildly. I hope, uh, I hope you get tons of orders in and if there's anything that uh, we can do to help you guys be more successful, just let me know. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on the podcast so I can talk to people about it. I really appreciate it. Great, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, uh, I really appreciate this. Thanks. Get back to farming, man. All right, man. Have a good one.